Well, I personally believe that probably one of the greatest uh, leaders to ever uh, walk this earth was a guy by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in his famous speech, many of you have heard this speech called I Have a Dream, we just watched part of it. Uh, actually, at one point in the speech, he quotes the prophet Isaiah from the 40th chapter, and he, and he says this, he says that I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh, all flesh, shall see it together. Now, you may or may not know this, but um, actually on Monday, this upcoming week, is Martin Luther King Jr. today. And so today, in honor of him, I want to talk about this idea of diversity. Now, There's all different types of diversity that we could, of course, talk about, but today I specifically want to hit on a subject that's probably going to make a lot of you feel very uncomfortable, and it's this idea of racial diversity. Now, I believe that, and I would say that our country has has made a lot of progress. A lot of progress has been made since Dr. King. Much has changed, and I really do believe with all my heart that we are better than what we were before. But I also believe, I truly believe this, that there's so much more work that we can do as a nation, as a community, as people. So we're in the series, uh, if you've been a part of this for several weeks now, called Unstuck. And we're talking about how do, we, how do we dig out of the ditches that we get into, that all of us in our lives, we get stuck in ways in our lives. And there's a lot of different things in this series. We're talking about different ways that we get stuck. And the kind of the contention week one, and if you didn't hear it, I would encourage you to go back and and listen to week one's message that Pastor Jeff gave because he, he said that probably the, the contention is this, that whenever we get stuck, no matter what it is that you're stuck in, the worst thing that we could, we could ever do in the midst of being stuck is nothing. And the worst thing that we can do when we get stuck in some way or in something is that we just choose to do nothing. And what I want to kind of contend today, and, and again, I understand that I, I will probably today... Um, I will maybe offend some of you, but I believe that sometimes we can get stuck in prejudice ways. We might view people that look differently than us, have a different skin color than us. We, we, we have maybe a different background than they do. We view them in different ways. We think that there's a certain group of people that they don't quite understand our way and how we think and how we do life. And here's what I'm asking you today. And this is not going to be an easy topic to talk about. Uh, and and I, I really, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to come at it from the experience that I personally have had in my, my own life. Now, uh, many of you know this, that um, recently, several years ago, my wife and I, we adopted two boys who are African American. And I have to tell you that in the past several years of, of having our boys and the adoption of our boys, I, I've just personally learned a lot. I've grown a lot In this area. Now, I I would say that there's still a lot that I need to learn, and there's a lot of growth that I still need to have in my own life, but I would say that I've learned a lot, and that's kind of the direction that I'm going to be coming at today. And what I would just ask of you as I talk about this this subject that I understand can stir some of you and can feel a little tense, and and at times you're, you're going to have some walls that begin to go up, is I would ask most importantly for your grace. See, one of the amazing things about following Jesus is that I understand and I know that I get his grace. I I get that. But what I'm asking today is for your grace. In other words, if I say something that to you might seem not right, or maybe for you, um, you you listen to something that I say and you you disagree with it, I'm okay with us having differences in opinion. I'm still learning, like I said, but I would just ask that you would show grace. Secondly, I would ask that you would be open. 
I know what many of you are thinking that this isn't for me. Many of you, I believe, you're, you're hearing this topic and we, we talk about this thing and you would say, Joel, I, I'm, not, I'm not racist. I, I don't feel prejudiced towards black people or people who look different than me. And, and for, for the record, I'm not here today to call somebody a racist. That's not the point behind today's message. But I do think that maybe we can learn. I think that there are ways that we be, can become stuck in these ways. And I think sometimes we're even missing it when it comes to our own lives. Like I said, when, when we adopted our boys, I began to learn a lot about skin color. And my story goes that I grew up in, a, in an all-white home like many of you probably did. And, and I had friends uh, growing up that were black. I had friends that were a different color than me. And I didn't have any issue with it. I wouldn't have said that I, I disliked a certain race or anything like that. I was completely comfortable being around people who were different than me. But when we adopted our boys, I I began to see something so different. It just became a little bit more real for me, to be honest. How how people, how our society, they see skin color. And honestly, I I would say this, that even in in our church locally here in Berry County, because of where we're located, I think one of the things that maybe we struggle with at times is is not so much maybe even racism, because I I don't think it's so much that, is maybe sometimes it's just ignorance with the subject. It's a lack of understanding and a lack of talking about it that leads us to the, the place of ignorance in our life. In other words, when, when racial topics are brought up, many times walls begin to go up and we think, well, not me. There's no issues with race. But I think one of the things that I've learned is that it might not so much be racism, but maybe we just fully don't understand the other side. Maybe we're a little bit ignorant in our view, in our ways. I'll give you a couple examples of things that, again, I don't think I really would have fully understood these things if it wasn't for me adopting our boys. I can't tell you how many times um, people have walked up to me, and, and, and really kind people and nice people in our community, and they've said, that's awesome that you've adopted a couple boys, and they, they asked me, I mean, li- literally, I, I would say at least a dozen times, some people have said this to me, uh, where in Africa did you adopt your boys from? And you know, honestly, now I have to kind of joke with people because it's happened so many times. At first, I was kind of offended. Like, really? Like, like are we that ignorant? Like, do we think all black people live in Africa? That's the only place that they're, they're located? And so I actually say to people now, I say, well, actually, there's, there's black people in Michigan. Like, there's, that's, that's a reality. Do you, you realize that? Like, like they don't, uh, you know. But, but again, it's, it's not so much that somebody's trying to be mean or, 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 you know, they don't like the fact that we adopted boys that, that look differently than us, right? I mean, it's not anything like that. But I just think it's this thing of ignorance. Or times people have said to me, hey, hey, did your boys enjoy Christmas? And I'm like, well, yeah, they probably enjoyed Christmas just like any other kid. And they would say, well, they didn't experience Christmas, right, in like the country that they came from. And, and I'm just like, they didn't come from another country. They, they're, they're like, they came from Grand Rapids, right? Like, they're local people, okay? And again, it's, I, again, I don't think it's a, a racist thing or a, I'm, I'm being racist, but sometimes I just think we just become ignorant. And again, I don't think it's being said out of hate. I, I really don't believe that. But sometimes I think, it's an ignorance thing of knowing our culture versus other cultures. Many of us were afraid to talk about this kind of stuff. And I know for me personally, I was for a very long time that we act as if there's no tension between races and different things are going on. And, and many people's responses are, well, these aren't issues any longer, Joel. Like, like there's no issue between races anymore. And that was years ago. And of course, yeah, we would talk about Dr. Martin Luther King and he, he, he did a great thing. And, and, but yes, yeah, since then, like things are all good. And I would argue, maybe, maybe things aren't all good. 
Yes, we've made strides, but I still think sometimes we can get stuck. Now, let me just give you a couple examples of things. Again, I never would have understood these or even seen these until uh, we adopted our boys, where I began to notice and recognize. So an example would be this. Go to any local store. Go to any store that you want to and go into the section where there's toys. And for my wife and I, we've, we've experienced this because we're, we're like, okay, let's buy our boys like a cool you know, superhero for Christmas. And you go into the toy section, okay, and, and you look at all the superheroes. And let me just tell you that 99.9% are white. And I'm like, well, Okay, now we have Black Panther, which is a great thing, and that's one, but it's like, well, where's the others? Or if you go into the, the section for dolls, and let's say you're trying to, to find a doll for, for your daughter, again, look at all the different dolls. What color are all their skin? They're white. Or here's an example, is something that we've learned in our own life, is go home and look at all the children's books that you have in your home currently. How many of those children's books have somebody in them that is a different skin color other than white? Again, I'm, and I'm not saying somebody was being mean in the process. I'm not even saying you were being mean in buying those books. But again, for me, I just started looking at this going, wow. Like for my wife and I, we, she started this tradition where she wanted to buy ornaments every year for Christmas. And so we began to look for ornaments. And so we'd find, like, want to find a police officer or a firefighter for our boys. You know how hard it is to find um, an African-American police officer as an ornament? I mean, again, you search ornament on Amazon. You search all these different things and all these things come up and they're all white, And again, I just think it's one of those things that I never would have recognized in my life until we adopted our boys. Now, it's amazing because Jesus, he talks about racial divides quite a bit in the Bible. It's one of those things that he talks about, and he talks about the subject a lot. And the difference was that it wasn't so much uh, about white and black. It wasn't so much against this race versus that race. It was against these ideas of, of Jewish versus Gentiles. And so Jesus, if you know, he was Jewish, and he came and he crossed over these, these racial barriers all the time with the Gentiles. And he was for all people at all times, and there was a lot of Jews who they didn't like that. In their mind, they thought that they were the superior race. And one day, actually, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus, he walks into the temple a place that these people were supposed to be there to worship. And you might have heard this story because it was actually the, the time where, if you find the Bible, where Jesus becomes so unbelievably angry, where he uses physical violence. In fact, he flips over the tables. You might have heard this where he walks into the temple and he gets so mad and so upset. And many of us, when we read this story, we think that this story is about money. We think it's about greed. We think that the reason why Jesus was so angry and so mad was because he grabbed these tables and flipped them over from the money exchangers because he was so mad because of the greed that these people had. Now, while there, there might be some truth in that, that yes, there was some things happening there that should not have taken place, there's so much more to this story when you read about it. In fact, this past week I was doing a lot of studying on the story and, and the people that Jesus was interacting with in that moment were people called money exchangers. Now, we think when we read this story that, again, these people were the bad people, but actually they weren't. In fact, their job there in the temple was to exchange money from those people who were coming from a different region. In other words, imagine with me that you get on an airplane and you fly from America down to the Dominican Republic. When you land, you're going to go up to somebody and you're going to take your American dollar and you're going to exchange it for pesos, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what you do because that's their currency, And that's what these people were doing. See, these people, the money exchangers, were supposed to be in the temple. But get this, just not in that place. In fact, the place that they set up the money exchangers was a place that was reserved not for the Jewish people, 
In other words, they were saying this, the temple, the church is a place where anybody of all religions, all, all ethnicities, everybody can come to this place and we can all worship together. You don't have to look like us to worship with us, which is of course how it should be. Well, the Jews, they didn't like this. They struggled with it. In the same way, I think a lot of times we can struggle with this, and we might not say it out loud, but we, we think that if people don't act like us, if they don't, they don't worship like us, if they don't talk like us, if they don't interact like us, well, then they can't come in. And so they take these money exchangers, and they place them in the place in the temple where the Gentiles were supposed to be able to worship. In other words, they were saying to the Gentiles, you're not welcome here. You're not like us. You're not the same race as us. You're not, you're not the same, you're, you're not on the same level as us. So therefore, you are not welcome here. And so when Jesus walks into the temple and he sees this, this racism, this, this subject of really, you think that my house is a place where it's just meant for the Jews? His response is this. He says, my house will be called the house of prayer. Get this. For all nations. For all nations. He says, but you've made it a den of robber. Now, the, the Greek for that word, all nations, actually is ethnos. Everybody say ethnos. And that word actually means all ethnic groups. In other words, God's house wasn't for just certain types of people. It's not just for those people who look and talk like we do. In fact, I believe with all my heart that the local church should look just like your community looks. Now, here's why I believe that this topic is so hard for, I would, I would say, 97% of you listening to this. And because Barry County, where all three of our campuses are located, the demographic in Barry, Barry County is 97% white. So where people like you and me, we struggle in this area, is that we are around white people all the time. And so we might have a friend or two that looks different than us, right? But, but that's really it. And so for a lot of us, we see diversity and we see differences and we don't think much about it, right? But I believe this. I actually think with all my heart that diversity shouldn't just be something that is tolerated. In other words, it's cool, I guess, if, if people look different. I guess we'll tolerate it. But I actually think it should be celebrated. I think diversity shouldn't be something that's just tolerated. I think it should be celebrated. In fact, when Jesus talks about what heaven one day will look like, do you realize that heaven is going to be so diverse? Do, do you realize that, I mean, and I don't know if you're like me, but growing up, because again, I grew up in a white household. I grew up around white people all the time. I mean, when I would view heaven, I viewed a bunch of white people. And Jesus, he actually talks about this. He actually gives a parable about what heaven one day will look like. He says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. In other words, this is a parable about what heaven will look like. He said, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now what you're going to see here is that Jesus begins to talk about the people that would be the normal people, the people that everybody would expect to be invited to the banquet. He says, the first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said that I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant came back and he reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house, he became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in, get this, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in 
so that my house will be full. And Jesus, what he's saying in this parable is that when you picture heaven, for me, again, for, for many, many years in my own life, I pictured people who looked like me. I thought heaven was going to be a place that filled with people who looked how I looked. That's part of how I was raised, not because my parents were bad parents or anything like that. And Jesus is saying, Joel, do you realize that when you get to heaven one day, you're probably not going to be a majority. You're going to be a minority. Imagine that. So because of our thinking, we at times, we think, joking about people of different color, a different background. We think that's okay. And I think Jesus warns us, heaven might not actually look like you think. And here's what I hope all of us can do today. Because I know for some of you, maybe walls are beginning to go up and you're thinking, not me, not me, not me. And here's what I would say to you. There are people in my own personal life who I would call good friends, people who I would call my own friends who have used racial and racist things around me, terms around me. And you think that they're funny in the idea of categorizing a group of people like black people. Or worse yet for me, honestly, is when people will will use a racist slang or term around me and they'll look at me and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't do that around you because you have black kids. And I want to look at them and say, really? No, maybe you just shouldn't say that because it's racist, (laughs) not because you're around me. And I'll just be honest with you, part of the problem is me. Part of the problem is that, and I've really felt this calling over the past several years, that I have to be more vocal about these types of things. Doing things like this, talking about the subject, which makes many of you, and trust me, if it makes you, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. But I think it's one of those things that we need to speak out on and, and talk about. See, here's what, again, many of us in this room Again, probably 97% of us, you don't understand. And this is something for me personally I've been learning. This is a picture of my my two boys. Here's what I know about these guys. My boys at times in their life are going to be treated differently because of their skin color. See, See, all of you as parents, you recognize what it's like for your kid to go to school and for them to be picked on because of something that they did, because maybe they walk funny, or because of maybe this physical feature that they have, or they're short, or they're tall, or whatever it might be, and you recognize the pain that they have. But many of us in this room will never understand what it feels like to walk in a room and to be picked on because of your skin color. And what I recognize in my own boys' life, and it breaks my heart, is that there will be times in their life, and it's already happened, where they will be treated differently because of their skin color. I'll never understand that because I'm white and it won't happen to me. So see, uh, the, the reality is this, that there will be people in my boy's life that will view them differently because of that. There will be police officers who will look differently at my boys because of their skin color. And I just want to clarify something. I'm not against police officers. I love police officers. There's amazing police officers out there. But unfortunately, in our society, there are people who will take advantage of, of their authority in the same way that there are judges, in the same way that there are, get this, pastors, in the same way that there are people who work in a factory, same way that there are teachers who will take advantage of their authority against other people. And my boys will have to be aware of that. And I've got to tell you, it scares me to death that there are people in this society who will abuse their power. So I'm just asking the question today, could some of us be stuck? Maybe for a lot of us, we're more stuck in denial. Some of you, again, you hear that and you're like, nope, 
nope, I don't believe that, Joel. I, I don't believe that there are people who would take advantage of their power. I don't think that that's actually something that would happen. But I actually believe it is. And in fact, let me, I was thinking about this this week. How sometimes in our own lives we can become so like just entrenched in our own thinking that we refuse to see what's actually really happening. So, so here, here's an example of this. I, I want you all to just read out loud to me what you see. Wait, what did you say it says? Really? Because my side says serving, generosity, connecting. See, here's the deal. We're looking at the same thing, but we're seeing something completely different, right? See, and the reality is this, is that until I'm willing to come to the other side and see what it is that you're seeing, until you're willing to come to my side and see what I'm seeing, we will never fully understand what other people actually feel and what they believe. See, for many of us, when it comes to this racial topic, what we say is, no, no, Joel, it says welcome to Thornhill Valley Church. And I'm saying, no, no, it actually says serving, generosity, connecting. No, no, Joel, it says Thornhill Valley Church. No, no, it says serving, generosity, connecting. And we get in these arguments back and forth. And see, until we're willing to actually come to the other side, we will never see what somebody else sees. We will continue to do what many of us do in our lives, and we'll just say, nope, it's not me, it's not a problem. If Joel would just learn to read, he would know that it says, welcome to Thornhill Valley Church. And I'm sitting there going, no, no, it doesn't say that. The thing that I'm looking at, we're looking at the same piece of paper, but I'm reading completely different words than what you're reading. And a lot of us, we live our lives by saying things like, well, if he would just, if they would just... And I think where we can begin to get unstuck is when we learn to come to the other side. When we walk around to the other side and try to see what it is that somebody else is seeing. Not come to the other side so that we can defend our point of view or say, well, no, this is really the way that it is. And see, one of the things I think that we lack in is a lack of understanding on all sides. We don't want to come to the other side. We, we don't, and if we want to come to the other side, it's to try to explain to everybody why we're reading the right words. Why there really isn't racism anymore. Why, why really there isn't this, t- t- uh, this idea of abuse and power anymore. And see, the reason we need to come to the other side is not because of that. But it's to learn and to know what is on the other side. What does that person really feel when they walk into the room now, before you go, that's right, you know, if, if this group of people would just, you know, come to my side and they would see that I'm not racist and I don't have those types of things. Again, I'm talking to 97% probably white people this weekend. And here's what I would just say to you if, you if you're a white person here today. I think we, including me, have to learn to come to the other side. We have to have the responsibility and take the responsibility to begin to understand and see what somebody else is actually seeing, to learn and to grow. See, you can't can't help how you grew up, right? I mean, like for me, I grew up in an all-white family like many of you did, and that doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make me bad. But the problem is this, is that when I refuse to come to the other side and see what does it feel like for somebody else, See, there are things in my own personal life that I will never understand because I'm white. There's things in your life that you will never understand because you're white. In fact, this past week, I got the opportunity to talk to several people that I know personally who look different than I look. And I began to ask them, I tried to come to that other side and say, talk to me about, without me giving any kind of, well, what about this or what about that? 
talk to me about some of the things that you feel. For example, I don't know how it feels to be followed into a store because everybody is afraid you're going to steal something. But I have friends that do. In fact, I was talking to a friend this, this week who's African-American, and he's telling me that when he walks into a store, a true story, he says, what I have to do is, he said, I started learning at an early age that the people working at that store would start following me everywhere I went in the store. And I thought to myself, I've, I, they were saying, I thought to myself, I've never stolen anything. But what they've had to learn to do is that when they walk in the store, they look at the person working in the store, they have to smile at them as it, and to say, I'm not here to steal anything. It's really okay. And then they begin to go and do their business. I'll never understand what that feels like. Like again, many of you will never understand. I don't know how it feels to be pulled over and have a fear for your life. But I have black friends that actually do. In fact, I have a, I have a black friend who uh, was in, in Florida, a good friend of mine, and, and he was walking down the street with several other white people. They were in a group and he was selected. I don't know how, I don't know. He, again, he's never been in trouble, never been arrested, never had anything bad happen to him. And he was selected out of the crowd. He was arrested. He was thrown in the back of a police car. He was driven down, ba- uh, down the street very recklessly. He was bashed back and forth between, between, uh, in the back of the thing. He actually got a concussion because of it. And again, I don't understand that. That's never happened to me, and I don't think it ever will happen to me. But again, like I said, I have friends that that's happened to. And at some point in my life, here's the scary part for me personally, I'm going to have to talk to my boys about some of these things. That there's times in their life, there will be times in their lives, where people will view them differently. And it's sad, but it's a reality. And I think one of the greatest things that we can learn to do is to walk to the other side, to hear things that, get this, make you feel uncomfortable. See, see, I'd put it this way. If, if you're driving down the road and you come to an intersection and, and you pull up in that intersection and there's somebody laying in the middle of the road, you have three options, right? The first thing you can do is you can drive around that person. Like you could just be like, okay, I'm just gonna drive around them, right? The second thing you could do is you could roll down your window and you could yell at them and tell them to get out of the road. But the third option is you could get out of your car and you could ask them, why are you laying there? See, my guess is this. Many of us wouldn't take that third option, right? But, but that's, that's the heart of learning. That, that's the heart of trying to understand. See, see, if we have a heart for understanding, we can begin to understand. See, see racism actually is shown in several different ways. One of the ways it's shown is, is in this area of hate. Now, I would hope that every one of you listening to this today There's nobody in this room, I would hope, that have this feeling of of hate towards a different race. But there are people who truly do feel that way. In fact, Jesus, he actually talks about this. First John says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, he's not referring to your real brother and sister. He's talking about other people. He says, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, they cannot love God whom they've not seen. In other words, if I choose to hate anybody, regardless of their race, regardless of their skin color, it doesn't matter, regardless of their ethnic group, he's saying you can't actually love God and hate other people. It's not possible. The second way that racism is shown is in superiority, where people believe that because of their skin color, because of their race, they are they're superior to other people. Paul, he talks about this. He says, from one man he made, there it is again, all nations, all ethnos, every group of people, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. And finally, the way that I think uh, racism can be shown is in the idea of having prejudiced behavior. In other words, you begin to prejudge somebody based upon the differences that you have. When we say things like, well, all black people do this, 
or all Hispanics do this, or even from the other side, all whites do this, right? You know, I think that this subject is one of those subjects that's good for us to hear, to wrestle through. In fact, I actually believe with all my heart that Jesus this weekend wants for some of us to get unstuck, to just come around to the other side. So, so how do we do that? How do we, how do we move out of this area of viewing people who look different than us differently? Or better yet, how do we move in some of your lives from this place where many of you are at today where you're just thinking to yourself, we don't even need to talk about this. It's not an issue. I, I disagree with 97% of what you're saying, right? How do, we, how do we deal with this thing? Well, the first thing I would say is this. I think if you want to get unstuck, I think we have to learn to be honest. The first step is we have to be honest. And I think we have to acknowledge the fact that in our society, in our country, in our world, there are still racial tensions. And maybe not with you specifically, but I think we have to be honest. We have to move away from justifying behaviors and learning to come to the other side. Not to get defensive, not to defend our position, but to learn somebody else's position. The second thing that I think we can do is not only be honest, but I think we have to learn to be actually intentional. Can I challenge you all for a second? I think if you want to truly get unstuck, you have to begin to cross over racial barriers. Not to say that you have a friend who looks differently. Not to say that you know somebody who adopted a couple kids who look different than you. But to learn and to be intentional. So here's just a thought, parents. Can, can I challenge you for a moment if you have kids? See, whenever, and again, this is something I, I'm just, I'm talking from my own learnings over the past several years. Whenever I talk to other parents about race and color and all these different things, I have a lot of white parents who have white kids who will say things like this to me. Well, my kids don't view people of different color differently. And then recently I, I heard a story of a friend of mine who's a parent and their kid walked into their classroom and they refused to sit next to a kid in their class who was black and they're white. And the parents were telling me this story of how mortified they were because that's not how they raised their kid. They didn't teach that, and I fully believe that with all my heart. They didn't teach them that. But here's my thought. Take it for what it's worth. Maybe it's because we never talk about this subject with our kids. Maybe it's because we're actually not intentional. See, I actually think this is a great time, Martin Luther King Jr. Day coming up, where you can choose to be intentional with your kids. You can talk to them about this day. What does it actually mean? Why does this day mean so much to so many people? Teachers here today, can I challenge you? You don't have to avoid talking about this subject because your classroom is filled with white kids. In fact, I would encourage you, that's a great opportunity to talk to your kids about this subject. It's a great opportunity to just say and be intentional about why is this day such a big day? Many schools around our area won't mention it, not because they're bad schools, they're great schools. But I think it's because we aren't intentional, and I think we should be. What if we use this day to educate and to come to the other side, to learn about black history, because I think we need to talk about it. So recently, my, my wife and I, we, we switched schools, and uh, we're in a school that is very diverse. Uh, our kids go to a school now that uh, literally I walk in and I'm not a majority any longer and, and we love it. It's good for my, my boys. It's great for my wife. It's great for me. But when my, boys, or when my boys were going to the previous school that they were at, it was a predominantly all-white school. And I'll, I'll never forget because Martin Luther King Jr. Day came up and the principal sent out an email to all the teachers and said, hey, you know, this day's coming up and if you want to talk about it with your kids, you can, but you don't have to, which 
personally I disagree with, but again, he's a principal, not me, and I think it's a great thing every teacher should talk about. But the thing that bothered me was that my son's teacher, who is a great person, by the way, said this, well, I have to talk about it because Kaysan's in my class. And I thought to myself, really? You have to talk about it because you have a black kid in your class? Like, if, is that really? Again, that's us lacking intentionality. We have to learn to be intentional about learning and talking and coming to their side. Again, parents, I want to challenge you. Monday, sit down as a family. Talk about this day. Ask questions. You go, I don't, I don't even know where to start, Joel. Watch some great, there's great videos that can teach you, but I think we have to learn to be intentional. The final thing I'll say is this. Not only be honest, be intentional, but I think you have to be uncomfortable. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Joel, this whole talk is uncomfortable for me. Guess what? It is for me too, Okay? Try standing up here looking at all of your faces. It's difficult. But, but here's what I would say about being uncomfortable. Aren't you glad in life when you got uncomfortable? It didn't stop you from moving forward, right? You want to know what's uncomfortable? Driving a car for the first time. That's uncomfortable, right? Some of you, you have teenagers. I believe, and I, I'm not there yet, but you want to know what I think is uncomfortable for you? Sitting in a car while your teenager is driving for the first time. That's uncomfortable, right? But aren't you glad you didn't say to your teenager, you're done, forever, for good, right? You want to know what's uncomfortable? You want to know what was uncomfortable for me? I remember this very vividly, the moment where I was, the first time I ever changed a poopy diaper. That was uncomfortable. I'm telling you, I was, I was dry heaving. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't even understand how some of you can do it, right? But it didn't stop me from continuing to change diapers, thank God, right? Some of you in this room, you are incredible athletes, Think about what it took for you to become a great athlete. It it, it didn't take you just eating potato chips and sitting on the couch. It it took you working your tail off. It took you becoming so uncomfortable as you're training and getting into shape. And aren't you so glad that when you were so uncomfortable, when you were at a place of maybe throwing up, when you were at a place of thinking, I don't know if I can go any further because this is so uncomfortable, the reason you were great and that other person wasn't is because you allowed yourself to be uncomfortable. See, when we become uncomfortable, it allows us to grow. Through those pains, you end up being better in life. We have to learn to become uncomfortable, and as you do this, you begin to grow. It's okay to sit down on Monday if it feels uncomfortable. You don't have to have all the answers. And I think through that, we'll actually learn to grow. So I'll close with this story. Many of you, actually some of you maybe have heard this before. I've said it before. One of the, the times where this became so real for me and my wife was when my son, who at the time I think was three, maybe four, year old, four years old, he came home from school and he was with my wife. My wife called me and she was crying and she said, on the way home from school that day that Kaysan said to her, he said, hey mom, when, when's my skin going to turn white? This is a three-year-old. My wife said to him, Kaysan, I mean, your skin's not going to turn white. I mean, this is how God made you. You're amazing. And this is the way that he wanted you. And it's an amazing thing. My three-year-old looked at my wife and said, but mom, I want my skin to turn white. Because he understands something that, again, 97% of you will never get. And the reason why 97% of you, sometimes the walls begin to go up, is you don't know what it feels like to walk into a room and to be viewed differently because you look different. But my son does at three years old. So when people say to me, people don't see skin color. 
I say you don't understand because you haven't walked to the other side. I say you don't understand because you actually haven't taken the time instead of becoming defensive and saying, let me talk with somebody who actually looks different than me and hear their story. Let let me talk to you, Joel, and, and tell me about that moment. And this is all I know. As a dad, it broke my stinking heart because I have no clue what that feels like. But he does. And he does. And I know there's many other people that do as well. See, see, folks, I think some of us at times we can become stuck in this because the walls begin to go up. And I would just challenge you this week, be honest, be intentional, become uncomfortable. See, and the reason why we want this is because, because the amazing thing is that Jesus, he loves all nations, all people. In fact, many of you here today, you don't understand what it's like to be viewed differently because of your skin color. But you know what it feels like to feel inadequate. You you know what it feels like to feel like you don't add up. You know what it feels like to feel like you're not good enough. And the amazing thing is this, is that, that Jesus does say you add up. That Jesus does say that regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how you feel about yourself on the inside, regardless of what your parents said to you growing up, that you are adequate for who you are. You are adequate no matter what you've done in your life. That God sent his son, Jesus, for you and for me, regardless of our past. And know that today that is available for you and for me. In fact, would you just do me a favor? Would you bow your heads just for the sake of everybody in this room? And maybe you're here today and you would say, Joe, you're right, I don't know what it feels like to walk into a room and to be viewed differently because of the color of my skin or because of my ethnicity. But I do know what it feels like to walk into a room and feel like I'm not good enough. And maybe today you have this sense that God is speaking to you to say that he paid the price for everything that you've done. He is there for you. He loves you. And he forgives you. And this is something that I can't pray for you, I can't do for you, but if you have this feeling that you want to give your life to Christ maybe for the first time or you want to rededicate your life, I'd love to pray with you right where you're seated. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come up front. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. But if that's you today and you would say, Joel, I want to do that today. I want to give my life to Christ for the first time or I want to rededicate my life. You can just go to him right now in the quietness of your heart and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And Father, right now I'm asking, God, that you would forgive me of my sins. God, I'm asking that you would come into my life and you would be the Lord of my life. Maybe you want to say, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. And Jesus, we thank you so much, God, that you are a a God of all ethnos, of all ethnic groups. God, that you are a God of of every person who walked into this place today, regardless of their background, regardless of their history, regardless of all maybe the, the things in their mind that they've done that makes them feel inadequate, God, that you love them for who they are. And so, God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your mercy, God. And right now, we celebrate and we say, yay, God, to the people today who have said, yes, I'm coming across that line. God, we celebrate that with you today. Hey, if you made a decision today to follow Christ, uh, we have a book that we'd love to give you. It's a free book. It's just a great kind of first step in your journey. It's called The Seven Basics. You can grab one actually on your way out of the auditorium. They're hanging on the walls. You can go to your next step. You can get one. You can text in. You can get one. We'll mail it to you. Um, You guys, I'm going to dismiss you here in just a second, but I want to remind you, if you'd be willing, if you have kids, you need to go pick up your kids. But then if you'd all head down to the gym, we'd love for you to do the uh, Hearts for Heroes. It's an amazing thing. Take five minutes to do it. Do it with your kids. It's an incredible thing. All right, you guys have a blessed week.